Good morning. Welcome to Wake the F Up on 11.5 UMFM. We air on Thursdays, 11 to 11.30. My name is Christina. I use pronouns she, her. And I am back. My name is Karan and I use the pronouns he, him. Welcome back to the side of the, the globe. Thank you. I'm very excited to be back. Yeah, now you have friends to to cry with. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? I was just crying alone at home. And now I finally have people. I'm so excited. Can't wait to rant with you every week here again. (laughs) I love this. This is is the favorite part of my week. I love this so much. The UMFM 101.5 broadcasts at 1200 watts from the University of Manitoba, located on Treaty 1 territory, the original lands of the Anishinaabe, Nihayawak, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. Thanks, Karen. So, really fun topic uh, that we're that we're wanting to dive into this week: the commodification of feminism. Very interesting. Yeah, I am excited to talk about this because it's something that I've been conscious of lately. Yeah, and I have been noticing a lot of disparities, like stemming from social media, that talk about this uh-huh. a lot. Yes. Yeah, I think every feminist who is even a little bit class conscious who goes into a store and then sees some socks that say feminist F. I think, you know, you get excited because it's like, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's my jam. That's my gym jam. But I, I'm sorry for saying that. Um, I, <laughs> but, but then it's also like made in China. Um, you're profiting off of my, off of my uh, social justice here. Yeah. Yeah, you're it's profiting off of my interest in fighting for a better world while still maintaining your capitalist regime. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. I it's just very hard to find something that is ethically sourced, you know, because I am all for wearing a good statement shirt that says women don't owe you. S-H-I-T. And I yeah. am very, very for that. Yeah. I would love to... I, I would love to just plaster myself with feminist slogans if I could. Me too. And I'm just gonna write know, on my forehead. Seriously, like just get a sharpie and just go all out. Like just, just do it. I'll give you the sharpie. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's been so hard for me to find brands that are cheap and that are ethical and whose vision is in line with these ideologies, because. For the longest time, I've been wanting laptop stickers, for example. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to plaster my computer with everything that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says because I am in love with her. Socialist, yes. Yes. <laughs> we stand. So I've been, like, wanting stickers. And then I see the site that is called redbubble.com. But it's not just a feminist website. It caters to everybody's political ideologies and i mean everybody even the trumpies so it's been heckin yikes so <laughs> heckin yikes wow that might be the whitest thing i've ever heard but yes i'm gonna yikes. say it more now just to upset you thank you i really <laughs> appreciate that <laughs> Redbubble. so it has everything and i just don't understand who is profiting off of this if their li- if their vision is in line with Trumpies or socialists or centrists. I don't know. Like, what a mess. <laughs> and, and, and like, they profit off of you, of course. Like, if you order more than $50 worth of stuff 
free shipping and we will treat our Canada post workers in a very, very bad manner. And that's awesome. okay. Yeah. We'll not just to profit off of it. Where the products are produced. Exactly. Oh my lord. Exactly. I have no idea. Express shipping? Sure, I'll pay $5 extra for it, but how are you going to treat the people who are going to express make it for me? I don't know. <laughs> and it's something that I've been so like trying to be conscious of, but it's very hard when you see something that matches your ideology. Like obviously I want to get a thing of the fist with the feminist sign like the, or the female sign on it mm-hmm. and put it on my computer. But where is it being produced? I do not know. Yeah. It was so like it was so hard for me to find this one brand called Change that ethically produces stuff. Um but their shirts are $50 each. Yeah. And then And that's what it actually costs if you're going to go like the fair trade route or like ethically sourced. Like exactly. that's what it actually costs. Exactly. And so if you're not paying more for an uh, an item, that's because somewhere down the line whoever's producing it is not being paid a fair wage. Exactly. Exactly. And then that cycle brings us back to the fact that there are, there are people in this world that are being exploited to a point where not everyone is able to afford that $50 shirt. It's just a vicious yes, cycle. Yeah. Because of course it is elitist for me to be able to buy a shirt that is $50. No one in their right mind would be able to afford that. Because that's the economy we're living in right now. It is so hard to be able to afford things, let alone be able to pay rent and satisfy all your feminist needs of wanting to brand your political indoctrinations onto your Mm -hmm. body. But you can't afford stuff like that. So, of course, people are going to go for the cheaper option, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're forced to. Like, I know that I definitely go for the cheaper option because that's all I can really afford. But I know that there's if I implications was to, to that. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's so hard because, of course, you want to support things that are ethically produced. For example, the shirts that I was talking about, I have two shirts that I really like that I purchased off of Change. And they ethically produce their cotton. It saves a crap ton of water produced per shirt. Like, it saves a lot of water. And their laborers that are in smaller factories throughout the world are treated fairly. It's it's ethical, you know? Uh, but it's as ethical as you can get in a capitalist economy. But still, somewhere down the line, there it, it's going to still create a disparity yep. between people who can afford it and people who cannot. Same thing with companies like Matt and Nat. That aesthetic is amazing. I love the fact that they... What company is this? Matt and Nat. So it okay. stands for material and nature. Oh, okay. And it's it's like a vegan, cruelty-free, um, everything is like made out of recycled plastic water bottles, etc. Right. And it's like based in Montreal. And they are also very ethical. Sweet. Like the lining of their products is made of like, they they say that they recycle over 3 million water bottles a year to make their products, which I think is amazing. Yeah. And... They do, like, own up to the fact that they make their stuff in, like, small factories in China. But they say that they have long-standing relationships with these companies or Mm -hmm. with these factories and Mm -hmm. the laborers that are in them. And still, it creates a disparity because one product is, like, approximately $120 to $190. Oh, yeah. So 
while they create this good aesthetic and you know sell products that are very responsible and ethical for the earth and the workers that are involved in making them not everyone can afford that yeah the proletariat can't afford it anymore exactly and obviously someone is going to go to like the U of M bookstore and be like yep that's a good $30 backpack that's all i need i cannot spend more time let alone money into researching how this was made mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. i have so many things to do because the pressure that everyone's putting on me be it from work be it from uh wanting to be more productive in life to be able to get places to be able to afford things i don't have the time to put in the research that is viable and necessary for me to find out how this product was made Mm-hmm. It's thirty dollars. It's something that I can barely afford, but it's the cheapest option I got. So you know what? I'm gonna purchase it. Yeah. There's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Exactly. Exactly. And this kind of brings me to another conversation that I think is really worth having. It's a controversial one, and that is the one of veganism and particularly vegan activism, uh, the insistence that it is possible and necessary for everyone to be vegan. (coughs) So people will have any variety of arguments about this. And like ultimately, when it comes down to like nitty gritty things like People arguing that it's more expensive or inaccessible or not nutritionally possible. I don't think those are great arguments because it is extremely possible for people to live entire lifetimes having a healthy and completely feasible vegan lifestyle. The arguments that I really want to focus on and bring up in terms of the insistence that veganism can work for everyone. I have two main points here and one is that it's not culturally aware And then the second point is that it's not necessarily medically aware. Mm -hmm. So with culturally aware, there's a lot of cultures on this earth. There's a lot of places throughout history and in modern day as well, where people will live off the land and or they'll live off, you know, what the traditional food of their ancestors was. And that will be like game and like hunting and fish. Mm-hmm. Like there's all of these things. Yep. Now, I, I've heard the arguments on both sides of this and I just kind of want to be really thorough and cover this. Like some people who argue that everyone can be vegan will insist that those are places that need further development. And they'll insist that that is an old way of life and we should move past that. We should sort of evolve past that. But I don't agree with that. I think that you need to be culturally respectful. And I've heard all these arguments of how people try to medically argue that the human body is not designed to consume meat. I don't know where these arguments are coming from. I'm afraid they're just not true. Uh-huh. <laughs> like if you just yeah. ask any person who is who has studied anthropology or history or anatomy like the human body is perfectly capable of digesting meat um Mm -hmm. we can live off meat we can live without it so any of those biological arguments i don't think hold a lot of salt so i definitely lean towards respecting a culture and i think there are bigger problems that we need to focus on in 
terms of the conversation about culture and about different peoples in the world because their number one concern might be surviving and getting to their next meal and living their lives and celebrating their traditions. And if somebody just comes in there and starts criticizing their morality for something that they don't have a problem with, whereas they have more problems like literally any variety of things. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's not, I don't think it's the first thing that should come to mind in that conversation. And I think it's really funny that oftentimes activists that criticize other cultures for being meat-based are not even the cultures that are like responsible in the emissions of carbon dioxide or whatever it is that is, you know, slowly degrading the earth. Mm -hmm. um, and while my perspective on veganism is different, of course, like a lot of my argument towards vegan activism just stem from me not having fully immersed myself in that culture yet. I have not tried it to its full potential. The very little veganism that I have tried has been like hard for me to do. And I found it to be a little more expensive or a little less accessible or a little more time consuming. But I'm sure all those perspectives are well argued against. Mm -hmm. But that reminds me of a tweet that I recently read from a vegan activist on Twitter who posted a photo of I, I don't know what kind of cuisine it was. It was definitely either Asian or Indian. I am not entirely sure. But it was meat and broth. And I know that it's like it looked a little less presentable i guess like gordon ramsay would definitely have something to say about it but even in india like a lot of catholic people it's a very big like portuguese delicacy of like having stew and meat and like you know it's very like clear um even in like a lot of korean and chinese uh food stew and meat is like a big thing ramen yeah. totally big right yeah and so it was not the best photo of food but the tweet said that y'all really want to eat stuff that looks like sponge and soap water. Uh, this is why I'm vegan. And I was like, well, this is problematic on many levels. You are a white vegan activist mm -hmm. who has access to a lot more than a lot people do. Yeah. And the fact that this is completely ignorant of so many cultures yeah. that yeah. depend on food like this. Exactly. It is cultural. Of course, like you can advocate that these cultures can certainly modify foods. I, I, I do agree that as we progress, cultures progress too. We are in a constant cycle of evolution. Mm -hmm. We are changing. But to insinuate that a culture should entirely get rid of meat and dairy, etc., etc., is problematic on many levels because like, this is, in my opinion, a colonialist perspective to be like, well, so. this is my way of living and mm -hmm. now you should do the same yeah. because what I do is right and what you do is wrong and cultures need to evolve themselves you cannot be the one to invade in someone else's culture and say that well you need to try out everything I've been trying out because mm -hmm. I am actually saving the earth mm -hmm. and now I have a savior's complex because that's what that's what essentially some white vegan activists do and on social media. It's a trend some, that I've noticed. Yeah, absolutely. Not like all. They'll, they'll basically feel that they have the moral mm -hmm. high ground because they're consuming what's cruelty free. But as we mentioned before, with there's no ethical consumption under capitalism, mm -hmm. that's there's still going to be like 
forests mowed down to make way for the farms that are going to produce your vegetables. Now, all of this being said, I am a vegetarian and Mm -hmm. I am 100% for like, if you can be vegan, please do Mm -hmm. look into it. This is absolutely something that every single person should consider if they are able to do so. I just what I'm really tackling here is the approach that people are taking. I just it's the particular argument that every single person can be vegan. I just don't think so. And I don't think that that's a priority in terms of what we should be insisting upon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then as for the medical argument that I brought up before, there are some people there's people who will have. Uh, whatever dietary restrictions due to allergies, illnesses, whatever. And it just wouldn't be feasible for them to have uh, to limit their diet further, essentially, like they might not even be able to survive. So that's just a really important thing to consider. And I can pretty much bet I can basically guarantee that there are probably people who have some of these conditions who want very badly to be vegan, Mm -hmm. but are just like, this just wouldn't be possible for me. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And Again, I I really want to come back to the point of there not being any ethical consumption uh, under capitalism because I'm sure a lot of other activists uh, in different arenas of activism, veganism is also something that is commodified, just like feminism and just like other Mm -hmm. cultures. Mm -hmm. I would love to really explore how how that disproportionately affects other people. But I do want to talk about how cultures are also extremely commodified under this capitalist economy. Cultures themselves. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Because when I went back home to India, I saw multiple... uh, well, in Mumbai, we have a lot of malls. Like, they're just everywhere. A lot of malls? Yeah, a lot. Okay. And there's it's very hard to find brands that are like grassroots or like indian companies like again our market is dominated by multinational companies that are like western yeah like westernized yeah okay a lot of companies that sell indian stuff marketed towards this ethnic aesthetic they're all very very western and profit off of indian people and People actually buy this, just further creating disparities between the rich and the poor, which I don't want to get into right now because that's a whole other conversation. But it reminded me of how there are very problematic brands that I saw on Instagram that white people own and actually profit off of by furthering racism. So there was this one brand that I came across which was called the Spunky S-Q-U-A-W. And it really bothered me because it was Oof. a white woman who was uh, who owned it. Oh, my goodness. And when, when Indigenous Twitter and Indigenous Instagram found it, they said, well, <laughs> this is problematic on so no many No joke. You've literally <laughs> taken this slur and put it on your company <laughs> name. <laughs> You've commodified the culture and you're profiting off of it without giving a damn about the culture that you've stolen from. (laughs) Like, I definitely understand that I pick my battles, right? Mm -hmm. I don't often take the issue of cultural appropriation very closely to me because it doesn't affect me as much as other things do. Like, for example, if I see a white girl having just gone to a trip or to India or something like that, or, you know, and comes back with like some things that are ethnically very Indian. 
I don't overly care about that as much because it's like, okay, well, there's a chance that you maybe bought this from a local store and that helped local people. People do thrive off tourism. So I, I don't have issues with that. Same for like indigenous artists when they come to like the forks to sell stuff and people buy indigenous art and respectfully display it, having known the history of it, et cetera, et cetera. I don't take issue with that. There's no issue with that. Like, right? please do buy those products. Exactly. And sometimes when like white girls a lot on Pinterest and YouTube, which is a trend, you know, do like ethnic crafts and make uh, dream catchers or like other things that are Indian. I don't take issue with that. But this is a completely, completely different issue. I don't care about people wearing saris or like ethnically Indian stuff. I don't care about that. That's fine. You do you. I like it doesn't affect me. If it affects someone else, I'll stand up for them Mm -hmm. and listen to them. But this was beyond beyond racism it was beyond colonialist ideas it, i i can't even comprehend this <laughs> someone actually naming a slur that that is used to disproportionately kill indigenous women uh-huh. and girls uh-huh. and you are actually profiting off of that turning it into a aesthetic an aesthetic an merely aesthetic, an aesthetic yeah. it's one thing to just like teach people how to make dream catchers right but it's a different thing to Steal an idea and profit off of it. Like, I'm sorry, but indigenous culture is more than just feathers. Thank you. Like, it it really blew my mind. I was so upset about it. And that is just one thing that people found. Could you imagine how many more locals are there? Like, that's just one example. That, like, that, like, I, I can't imagine how that fuels hatred when... We are living in a time where there is no voice for, almost no voice for indigenous women on any news outlet. I haven't on heard. On any platform. Seriously, I haven't heard about the issue that is ongoing. I, there isn't enough outrage for missing and murdered indigenous women, but there is white people that are making profits mm-hmm. off of this aesthetic that oh let's put a feather in our hair and let's really use that highlighter to you know get that tan going on and make this a profitable aesthetic while we actually completely are degrading a culture that has been forcefully wiped out our ancestors committed genocide on these lands but we live on these territories now and we can do whatever the heck we want with these cultures Ye freaking haw. <laughs> like, I just don't understand. And it's so hard because the owner, she just didn't get it. She was she, an impenetrable wall. I was, I was like, y'all wanted a wall? Y'all she got one. She played the victim when everybody started calling her Good out. Good Lord. White feminism is, sorry, this isn't even white feminism. So white. <laughs> this, was, this was not feminism. This is not feminism. <laughs> I'm not complaining about white feminists this time. Uh, not this time. Um, but w- this white innocence, it's so toxic. Be- and white fragility. Like, if y- you just call somebody out for doing something terrible and then they just gaslight you and they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm not insulting anyone. And like they just like play the nice card and then, you know, they make you look like the monster. Like it's pure gaslighting. It's devastating. It's so silencing, so dehumanizing. And that just makes my blood boil. And yeah, I, I think she got her Instagram taken down, but I am almost certain that none of her views were 
even like even budged. Yeah, absolutely. Because she hasn't seen anything. She hasn't seen it. And this actually reminds me of a friend that I have gotten somewhat close to. She's a friend of a friend. She's from rural Manitoba, the, the girl I'm talking about. I remember her saying once to someone who was taking a Native Studies course, she said, well, don't you actually have to like care about that stuff to take classes like that? And I remember like walking out of that conversation because I couldn't anymore. And this was like a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. And recently she was exposed to issues of indigenous people. And uh, she recently had a conversation with me about how everything in India is so different because we were just talking about it, about my trip, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And she was like, wow, I like I heard about like everything that goes wrong in India with girls like Uh, the whole dowry system, uh, arranged marriage, like how it's like non-consensual, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, we're moving past that in our culture. Mm -hmm. It's still a big problem, yes, but Mm -hmm. we are moving past it. But she seemed so shook by it. And it was like interesting to see that two years after that conversation had happened, when she was actually exposed to these people and these issues, her perspective had completely changed. But these, when these people are just living in gated communities that are extremely homogenous and are not exposed to anything, they could give two less craps about what is happening to other people. Because how is it affecting that woman at all? Exactly. What an excellent point. And there's so many people like that. Like they can be sensitive to the injustices in the other parts of the world. But when it comes to recognizing their own injustices... Oh my god. No goodness. one wants to do it. it. It reminds me of this meme. Um, what was it? It was like, Alexa, show me the unnervingly large diagram of people who dehumanize indigenous people, but also uh and immigrants, uh, but also want to take the twenty three and me DNA uh. test to find out how much of them there an immigrant. <laughs> oh, twenty three and me. Oh. oh good lord. Oh my god. That is some next level white stuff. Yeah, it I, is. I love it, but wow, yeah. that that's funny. But like maybe what you're saying, but maybe that story about your friend, the fact that she can be sensitive to what's going on in other parts of the world, maybe that's a source of hope. Maybe that's something that we can latch on to and use as a tool to help people recognize their own biases. Mm-hmm. Maybe, who knows? But yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much all we have for today. So Catch us next week on 101.5 UMFM. This has been Wake the F Up. If you want to join the conversation, make any suggestions for future shows, check out our Instagram, Wake the F Up UMFM, all lowercase. See you next week. Thanks, Karen. Thank you, Christina. I will stay strong and hold on. It won't be too long till the storm passes. Then the rain dries, just like the tears in your eyes. Life can give you a surprise, bad and good. And in the hood, the pressure is high. I understand the pressure you had. Man, you was our dad. Lost a child, I can't imagine. Left a wife, bills are racking. Four daughters, a mother and a brother. We still love you and still get blue. But I know how you would want us. It's hard, it still haunts us I stay strong not cause of me I stay strong for those who love me I'll never commit suicide Even if I wanna die Till I'm old in the land of ice and snow I know where I will go I will thrive, I will strive 
most important, we are will survive.